again and welcome to episode 16 of In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, Reagan Dickinson. Our guest, Tara Thompson, is general manager at Dixie Four Wheel Drive, deep in the heart of off-road country with locations in Moab and St. George, Utah. The shop was recently awarded Retailer of the Year by the Truck and Off-Road Alliance, aka Tora, one of SEMA's councils focused on the off-road and truck accessory industry. Let's find out how Dixie Four-Wheel Drive makes this happen by engaging with its customers from the time they walk in the door to the time they actually hit the trail and beyond. So Tara, y'all were named Tora Retailer of the Year, and so that had to be quite an honor. And I'm trying to understand what what are the ingredients, as far as you're concerned, to make a retailer of the year? What has a Dixie four-wheel drive done, in your opinion, to garner that type of praise from your peers? So retailing is especially challenging in our world. Um, a lot of the manufacturers we deal with are small manufacturers, and they don't package well. And so trying to set something up that is appealing for a customer to look at, for them to want to shop, Mm-hmm. It's just a different dynamic. So one thing I think we did really well was um, we were able to build our building. So from the ground up, we were able to kind of put in things that would help add to what that showroom would look like from the beginning. So now were you able to do this both in the St. George location and the Moab location? Yeah. So we built our entire building in St. George um, from our plans and what we wanted. Moab, we got an empty shell and built out um, with that kind of semi shell already there. Okay. Uh, and how large are each of those stores? So Moab's 8,000 square feet. We have our thousand shop and then our cell side is cut into an inventory room and a sales floor in the other 4,000. Okay. And what have y'all done on the retail side to enhance the customer experience? You know, that's kind of the buzzword going around as far as retail goes is the customer experience. And, you know, you see this, for example, at auto dealerships where, you know, last time I bought a car, they really work on that experience as far as providing coffee and they, you know, they've improved their showroom look. What, what have y'all done from a retail standpoint to enhance that customer experience? So we had a ton of videos and I actually got calls from all over the country of people getting ready to build shops or redo their shops. Yeah. Um, of the things we did in our shop in St. George is one, we have a giant like airplane hangar door on the front, which oh. is just a cool feature. Um, one thing we knew we wanted was to have vehicles on display in the showroom. Um, so we put that door in so we could do that. And then last minute, um, one of my employees before we poured the concrete was like, Hey, what about that metal cloak trailer? What if we could do something like that in our showroom? Cause that was one of our big battles of how do you flex out a vehicle on concrete and anyone that set up a vendor show knows <laughs> what a challenge. Yeah. That so we kind of put that to work and actually found a company that makes in ground safes and was able to use that hydraulics. And we put platforms that actually raise out of the ground. Um, so you just park the Jeep on it, hit the button, raise it up and it's flexed out. looks awesome. Great for, Showing customers why it's important to change your fenders out, why it's important to have the right size links, um, limit straps, all those different things. We can kind of show them right there on the vehicle in the showroom. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you've had a lot of success with people, with return customers and impressing new people. And I, and I would assume that just kind of the aesthetics of the stores themselves have something to do with that. You mentioned about the packaging, for example. What have you all been doing to enhance your point of sale so that it's more visible and it's more appealing? That, that one's tough. It's still not as good as I would like, personally. Mm-hmm. But we, we try to get stuff out of the packages um, our sales guys have to be more knowledgeable and out there educating the customer on what they're looking at. Because a the customer just walking around the showroom by a brown box, they're not going to read it. 
Um, so it's really just making sure our guys are actually walking them out to the products and, and showing them what they're actually looking at. Okay. So getting them out of the packaging is the important thing. Yeah. Brown box with a label that doesn't even say it fully on as far as what's in it. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> right. So Tara, can you give me a brief history of Dixie four wheel drive? So Dixie four wheel drive is actually started by my parents back in the early nineties. Um, Milton Charlotte, um, our local native Utah folks, they grew up here. Uh, my dad spent a lot of time on Sand Hollow before it was really named Sand Hollow. Helped pave a lot of the trails out there. Most famous ones, probably Milt Smile. So lots of history in the area. Mm-hmm. They really did repairs early on. They didn't even upgrade. <laughs> so um, my youngest brother actually came in when my dad was on crutches, couldn't work, kind of had to bail him out there. And then he was the the passion for the upgrade and that kind of taking it to that next level. Okay. Um, I took the company about seven years ago and then we had some new partners come in and that's why we were able to kind of build the new buildings and do what we did at that time. Okay. Um, so I want to do a shout out to my employees. I have one of the best teams in the business, um, most talented, best service. So kudos to all they do to make it what it is. Okay. Well then I've got to ask you that stock question because, you know, finding good employees is always a struggle for a lot of, a lot of shops. And, um, how have you been able to do that? Finding new employees is, is a tough, tough job. I still don't think until someone's in working, you'll know what they are until they get there. Our, ours is more we've had to train into it. Um, you can't take a dealership mechanic and expect them to survive and, and just jump right into what we do in the aftermarket world. So it's really about getting them in here, finding the right attitudes, finding the right personalities that work with your team, mm-hmm. um, and then just training them and, and building them from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And have y'all been getting into the uh, overlanding segment at all? Um, Overland has been interesting for us because we are a destination where people come to Overland, but usually they show up already built. So they're not coming here, then building, then go exploring. They're coming out built. So we do repairs on them. Um, We are seeing more as St. George grows. Um, We're one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Mm. Um, So we are having more people come in. And so we are seeing an increase in it. And then I have a salesperson that's passionate about the Overland side of it. And that helps always bring in more business. Can you give me some insight into the basics of educating that customer, what that looks like? So your first question is, what do you you plan to do with the vehicle? Um, Are you going to be rock crawling? Are you going to be just dirt road trail driving around, um, checking out sites? So that kind of helps us. Okay, do they really need a lift? Um, They need some more ground clearance. And we can go through what budgets, what, you know, how aggressive they want to get and just put them in the right, the right things. What vehicles have you found are the easiest to accessorize and which ones are more most difficult? You know, once they come off of the factory line and they come to you, which vehicles are easiest and which ones are more difficult? So they all have their own little uh, fun aspects of them. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, Jeep still wins the market with its Lego vehicle. I mean, everything's designed to come off and go back on. So, mm. so that part um, definitely wins. We struggle with certain vehicles just because there's not a lot on the market. Um, we've been getting a lot of Subaru people coming in wanting lift kits. Those get a little trickier just because there's just not as much on the market. Yeah, Toyotas are pretty good. Um, you just you're stuck with wheel wells, so there's only so much you can do with what you got. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say your 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 Subaru and your middle all wheel drive people. You know, we were getting some Honda requests and some just the SUVs that aren't really designed to go off road that want to go off road. <laughs> right. What seemed to be the most popular, you know, besides the Jeep, because we know that's always going to be true. But besides the Jeep, what are the most popular models, or what's what's coming into your store more often than not these days? You mentioned so, the Subaru. Are you seeing more Subarus now? 
Yeah, we're getting calls for Subarus. Um, probably every couple of weeks, we'll have someone calling for a lift on them. So it's uh-huh. getting there. Um, Toyota has always been our number two. Tacomas, we have a lot of hunters around here. So it's their favorite little out scouting truck. Uh-huh. Um, so we do a lot of just suspension upgrades on those and racks and stuff so they can get out. Okay. We, we talked a little bit about the challenges of upfitting newer vehicles. I mean, do y'all do electronics there? Oh, you can't do anything without messing with electronics, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there, you never know what's going to affect something else. But yeah, um, yeah it, it's always an interesting game when you're first getting into a vehicle. When we first got our JL, we bought the first one we could get our hands on and we cut the frame in half. But there was just some interesting things that we... We hadn't known about them yet. So you have that secondary battery. So we cut power, we're doing stuff and we're like, why in the heck is this light? Like what, who, what happened? Like, yeah, it was just confusing to find that there's another battery in there for their start stop option. So just little things you find along the way, but yeah, you, you can easily screw something up if you don't know what you're touching with electronics in them. Right. Have you found some ways to overcome some of those challenges? Number one's experience. Nothing beats someone that's cut and gone that far into one to know what um, to look for, what to troubleshoot if you do have the issues. Um, They're they're getting harder and harder to where they want to lock down to force it to the dealership and know where you've been inside the vehicle. Yeah. So that's that's always a trial for a shop of okay, how far do we want to go in? Are you sure you want to go this far? Because they're gonna, you know, yeah, you're gonna have more fights at the dealership if you have something go wrong. What's the most important lesson that you've learned to improve the business over the years? You know, whether it's a, as a bad experience, something that y'all did wrong that you learned from that you now do right, or something that you were able to implement that was a, a positive implementation that really worked to help your business. Oh, there's lots of those <laughs> in, in every way. It's been an interesting learning curve. Um, when I came in as a new manager, I had managed departments, but I hadn't managed whole companies. So for me, it was a learning curve and I'm not a process person. When I've worked at corporate companies, I just struggle with it because I I like to improve stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So when I came on, I really just wanted to kind of keep it open. And then I learned the hard way that that's not reality. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a lot of different personality types. So really getting down and restructuring the company and putting all the right processes in place and making sure that we weren't dropping the ball on something or we weren't not getting those customers taken care of the way they needed to was probably our biggest thing for uh, management sake, for employee sake, for customer sakes. Can you give me some insight into what that restructuring looked like? Oh, that's, that's everything. <laughs> so, so essentially from when the customer walks through the door, how that looks to the point where they're picking up the vehicle or joining us on a trail ride. So we are check-in forms, what information we're gathering, what does our follow-up look like, how does the tech clock in, what kind of information does the tech need to make sure they're noting, making sure they're clocking in and out on their jobs um, to make sure that we're making sure we're catching for our next quote if we're underquoting or overquoting on a time. So there's there's just a lot of stuff. Software's huge for that. Um, I finally found one that works and does a good job for us. So it's been an uphill battle, but these days it feels a little more like we're getting to the top of the hill. Right. And it sounds like it's part of this. I mean, it's all well and good to have that software system, be able to track jobs and know exactly what was going on with that. But you mentioned kind of from the time the customer comes in and then the follow up and everything. It sounds like what you're really trying to do there is build a relationship over time. So is is that what I'm hearing here? Um, yeah. Kind of the whole picture is um, customer walks in. We do have a ton of resources. I think we probably offer the most free resources of any off-road shop I've come across. Um, some of those that we offer is uh, trail maps. We were the first one to go out and map Sand Hollow 
and get a free map that's accessible to people so they can download that from our website. We offer one-on-one classes. And so those those new Jeep owners or new Toyota owners, they come in and they've never never been off-road. Mm. They can come and learn about, okay, what is a locker? What's a differential? What's four-wheel low? What's four-wheel high? When do you need to put it in? Airing down your tires, all that kind of information. Um, they'll learn there. We offer a spotting class. So if you're going out with a group of people and you want to learn how to spot them and get them through the trail safely, um, we have a spotting class. We do tire repair and jack classes. And then we do our trail ride. So we do a trail ride at least a month, sometimes two. And we kind of switch between catering between those new people um, that just want to go dirt road, air down their tires, kind of get used to what it is. And then more of aggressive rock crawling stuff. Wow. So it's really kind of a full service shop, not just from the standpoint that you're going to provide them with accessories and install them for them, but take it to the next level. Yeah, we we know that if people use them and they get involved in that lifestyle, they're going to keep coming back. And so you're really ensuring that you have a lifetime customer and they're having a lifetime friend, especially trail time with people. There is nothing better, no better advertisement than being out on the trail. And it's whether you're spotting them, whether they break down and you help them, whatever it is that's someone that's going to come around for life. Yeah. What, what do you see as the future for Dixie four wheel drive? Or I don't know if you have that kind of crystal ball in front of you. If, <laughs> you see if you can at least kind of five years down the road, where do you see it? I mean, that's kind of a job interview question, right? But you know, <laughs> I, I think everybody, you know, not everybody has a long range plan or even a short range plan, but I'm wondering if y'all do. And if you see certain trends going on that kind of lead you and, hey, maybe we need to start moving in this direction. So that's that's a tough one because there's so many things that are up in the air right now. Obviously, um, with the changes that we're seeing and if fuel prices are going to go through the roof, that's going to affect us. Um, electric cars, what's that going to look like? How's that going to affect us? How are we going to evolve around it? So yeah. there, there's just a lot of things up in the air right now. My, my goal as a manager of the business is to continue to streamline it, uh, make it more profitable in what we're already doing. Mm-hmm. But I do want to see our specialty stuff kind of break off into its own little um, niche so we can take care of more customers quicker for the in and out stuff. So that's probably one of our biggest battles is getting the leveling kit wheels and tires in quick enough through our shop is because we've got large project. Cool. They're very cool builds, <laughs> but it, it definitely cuts out some of the other stuff. So yeah, five-year plan is kind of just keep, keep growing where we're at. I don't know that I want to add a lot more locations. Mm-hmm. Um, why I think we work so well in the locations we are is because we are in amazing areas. I mean, Moab and Sand Hollow are two of the, the best wheeling spots in the country. So yep. I don't know that I would want to expand a lot more than that in shops themselves, just what we can do and what we offer inside of the two we have. Mm-hmm. Do y'all have people who come in uh, with parts and say, hey, can you install this for me? Yeah. How do you handle that? <laughs> we do get that a lot. I know a lot of places won't do it. Um, we just offer at, at a higher labor rate and we won't deal with the warranty of the product if it has a product failure. Mm-hmm. That's kind of on them to to fight those battles themselves. Right. Okay. So you mentioned electric cars, fuel prices. These are things that you kind of have on your radar to watch, right? Are there any other things that you're on the lookout for? You know, maybe it's some regulations coming down the pike or uh, what What have you seen out there in the industry or, or things that affect our industry and our market that you have your eye on? So one of the biggest things for us is always going to be land closures. We're, we're fortunate in St. George to have a lot of freedom and flexibility with our land. Um, we have a really open BLM in this area. Moab's different. 
you're you're stuck to that trail. You're not supposed to be off it whatsoever. And then Moab's kind of a little iffy right now. They're trying to shut down the side by sides in the area. So there's there's a lot of drama and kind of stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. But we we are lucky enough in St. George. Um, we almost lost a little bit of Sand Mountain, which would have in turn eventually probably kicked the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of very active and engaged people that got wind of it and and immediately took action. Um, and that's Utah Public Lands Alliance. Mm-hmm. So they've been really great for our area and being able to keep that open and keep it what it is. So I'm assuming you're involved with these organizations so that you can help with whatever efforts are needed to improve or maintain some of the land use that you um, that you see. Yeah. Utah Public Lands Alliance, um, Winter 4x4 Jamboree, and the is put on by the Desert Roads and Trail Society. Mm-hmm. They're two local groups. They c- come in and use our conference room, um, and we support them just kind of in whatever events and stuff they have going on. But yeah, wherever we can kind of help in, one of the owners of Dixie um, serves on the Upla board. So yeah, where, wherever we can kind of fill in to kind of help do our part and kind of keep that going and keep it what it needs to be for us to keep using it. Gotcha. Okay, well, you know what the music means. Our time is up. But I really appreciate having you on board here, Tara, and hoping that you'll keep us updated at the shop, you know, whether it's in the magazine or the newsletter or, you know, maybe a future podcast. Just keep us updated on what's going on with y'all. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone keep their eye out for Easter Jeep Safari. We're, oh, ex- absolutely. We're make it happen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> what, it's, what, what is the word there? Is it going to happen? So far, it's looking like it's going to happen. I, I don't hold my breath in Moab anymore, but they, they did let an event come in in the fall that I think went well. So, I'm hoping that it will you know, give us some good insight for what's going to happen here in a couple months. Okay. We'll keep our fingers crossed. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks. Be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast platform, whether it's SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And please let us know if you have any questions you'd like our guests to tackle or any follow-up questions. And don't forget to stay up to date on everything automotive aftermarket at theshopmag.com. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, adios amigos. Adios amigos.